back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond Welcome back to the Role Player Podcast, presented by Swish Cultures, available on all Swish platforms. So if you're watching this, go ahead and hit that like button or follow button for us right down below. Also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I am Jordan Taylor. Joined by my guy, the CEO slash co-founder of Swiss Cultures, 11-year vet and Stanford gentleman, the one and only Anthony Guzman. He's all ready to go, making a little move to Madrid today. Got his his hair is fresh. I'm back. I never left. You know what I'm saying? Looking a little smooth. Got that African cut. Boy, they did me like a little more. I, like, I ain't like it at first. I was like, oh, that's all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Looking smooth as right, always little, for the most part. It <laughs> looked like you pushed some corners back. Or was that Father time? Yeah, you know, that's a little bit of both, man. That was a little bit of both. Buddy, cut, buddy started cutting my hair. He started cutting around the edges like this. I said, "Hold on, fam, what you doing?" Like I knew it was going. I thought it was going to be a disaster. I'm ripped. It turned out all right though. But yeah, no, that that's that's father time, man. But you know, we hanging on. We hanging on. But hey, man, we joined by a very very special guest, man. Houston, Texas finest. McDonald's All-American in 2013, a first-team parade All-American, Texas, Mr. Basketball, former NBA vet and now overseas pro playing with Ljubljana Sedevita uh, over here in uh, in Slovenia. We got the one and only Mr. Aaron Harrison, man. Appreciate you joining us. Man, what's up, man? Uh, appreciate y'all having me, fellas. What's going on? Doubt. No doubt, man. No, man, you wearing that Texas hat proudly. I know y'all, y'all sweat and beat yeah, up on your neck. Yeah, we on a little run right now, so you know. Yeah, they still cheating over there. Or? I'm about to say they over there. They over there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was by any yeah. means. By any means. By any means. By any means. We might about to sweep the Yankees. I think it's three zero, right? It's three ass. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't even watch a baseball like that. I only. I feel like it's the Astros and the Yankees every year. At least the Astros for sure every year lately. Yeah, that shit yeah. They've been crazy. doing well. Yeah, they've been figuring yeah. it out. But anyway, man, we gonna skip the baseball podcast. This is a basketball uh, baseball talk. This is a basketball podcast. So you won Mister Basketball in two thousand thirteen. Hey, what, what's it like, yo? Did you and your brother have like a, a crazy ride? Was I like talking shit to each other? Like who gonna win Mister Basketball? Like <laughs> oh no, nah, hell no. Nah. Uh, I was more like a scorer. My brother more of a point guard, so he didn't really care, you know. Like he just yeah, really yeah. got me to rock, and it wasn't you know playing playing in high school. You usually play by yourself. You don't really have, like, another person on your team that's, as you know, as talented or whatever. And it was just, you know, I was lucky to have a point guard that was the number one point guard in the country. Just give me the ball, do whatever. So, mm-hmm. no, nah, I wasn't a robber. And he was, he was helping me out, really. Man, speaking of that, obviously, like you said, high school, you don't, most all of us, we don't get to play with as many people who are as talented. Obviously, everybody knows you. University of Kentucky, Big Blue Nation, um, where you play with, the most talent, maybe you play with all NBA talent in college, right? So we're going to start right there. Talk about some of the pros and cons of playing with multiple other NBA players in college. Like, because obviously, you know, some people look at that and it's like, oh, well, it's easy to go to Kentucky and get drafted because it's like everybody get drafted from Kentucky, which is probably somewhat true. But also it's like you got to fit in amongst pros. So talk about the difficulties and, and the pros of that. Well, you just got to know. I mean, uh, you just got to know what you do. You got to be super duper confident. 
because every day in practice, you're going against a pro, you're going against somebody who thinks they're the best ever to touch a basketball. So I think that that definitely made me made me better, made me a lot. But, you know, it's, it's I mean, I can't really I didn't really know no much else. We just it was just so much competition, especially my second year. We had 10, 10 players playing the NBA the next year of one team. So uh, it was just, you know, it was just so much fun, so much competition. Uh, and we and we really actually figured out how to play together. We really want to win. So, uh, you know, it was just, it's, it's, that's, that was a special experience that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget for sure. You know, it's funny. I think, like, I think back to uh, only time I kind of experienced anything close was, like, when I come back and play against the UCLA guys in the summer back when they had Darren and Russ and Kevin Love yeah. and all them. And they had a bunch of NBA guys, and you know, you know, I was at Stanford, you know, just kind of a you know a score there, and then coming down to UCLA and just seeing how each of those guys kind of like you know how they worked out, how they played ones, and and, and just different things. Like you could just tell the environment was different when you have that many guys that are thinking NBA, and they actually got that kind of talent and not even just the talent, the mentality and the competitive, the competitiveness. So I can only imagine like out of Kentucky, man, it's like, you know, as good as anybody is coming in there, it's like once you start seeing other people that are just as talented, maybe a little bit older and whatnot, I'm sure it definitely makes you uh, like raise your game to a whole nother level, like day in and day out. Yeah, for sure. We was definitely, uh, we was definitely uh, talking shit all, every practice we'll go play ones at night. Uh, just, just the the inner like the it's just so much you you can't really take a day off you know if you took a day off you're not playing that day or you look bad that day and uh, it definitely prepare you for the next level and and uh, you you really appreciate uh, getting pushed like that uh, at, at such an early age because most guys you know co- I mean obviously it's a lot of talent on college team but it's not ten NBA players on college teams and uh, so it's just. It's something that that's a great experience that I could that I could. I mean, I I feel like I learned so much, and I could actually when it's time, I feel like I could teach so much just from that. Shit, it ain't ten NBA players on NBA teams sometimes. Yeah, that's nah, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> hey, but but listen, man. Just so for for those that know you, your so, your sophomore year, especially you played with uh, Carl Towns, uh, mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Um, your brother, yourself. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Dakari Johnson, Tyler right? Uh, Dakari Johnson, uh, Alex Poitras, uh, Trey Lyles, um, Willie Cauley Stein. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just just to, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, we had, we had, we had ten for sure. We had we had we had five and five that. You know, Coach Cal tried to do the uh, platoon thing where five people in, five people out. Um, so yeah, we we definitely had ten that could go for sure. So just 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 for reference for those listening, but my question would be, as a scorer, I feel like like you said, your brother was a point guard. I feel like that's a point guard's dream as a point guard myself. Like when you could get a, yeah. you know, you pushing the break, you got yeah. Carl Johnson or Carl Towns running the floor, or whatever yourself running the wing. But as a scorer. I feel like it's even more difficult because mm-hmm. h- how did you how did you find your rhythm amongst that many players? Was there anything that you did specifically to, you know, to stay confident? Was there ever a time where your confidence wavered? I mean, confidence, it, it, it was tough, especially that second year. It was very, very tough. But, you know, at that age, like 
nothing can really waver your confidence. Like I, you know, everybody, I'm, I was going to be the next Michael Jordan in my mind, you know what I'm saying? The next Kobe Bryant in my mind, you know? So it wasn't really confidence. It was definitely like I had to adjust not, okay, this, every possession, not about me or every other possession, not about me. You got to, you know, take what you can get and look the best and, and give them what they're looking for really. So that's really what I had to learn. Yeah, I thought that was dope. I actually remember one of the one of the dopest things. I was one of the first times I got to see you play in person was the was the Final Four against Wisconsin. I was yeah. injured and I was back, and I I think you didn't you didn't score in the first half, right? Yeah. And I I was amazed by I think you had like maybe eight or ten in the second half, but you was always like you stayed in the game defensively, and then to be able to hit a 40, 35 foot three for game. Was yeah. one of the most impressive things I've seen. Like as a scorer, I feel like you wasn't really getting your touches. So to me, that was really the true mark of a store a scorer, and it was it was impressive to be honest. Yeah, I mean that's one thing I, I've always been comfortable at the end of games. I mean, uh, it's just I, I don't know. It's just something that I, I've always had, uh, you know. But it, it was plenty of college games that I didn't get. I just felt uncomfortable, maybe, or I didn't get a touch and. And, you know, somebody else was playing super well, so I wasn't in, in, in really the flow of the game. But I always felt at the, end of, um, at the end of the game, I just felt like I'm the person who's supposed to have the ball no matter, I mean, no matter what, who, who else is on the court, no matter else, what is going on. I think I, I've always been super confident at the end of the game. How do you, how do you navigate, how did you navigate um, actually going to the NBA? So it's like you stayed for two years, right? And you could have left after your freshman year. Um, so how, how did you navigate that decision-making process? And what is there, what, if anything, would you have done differently going back? Uh, differently, shit. Probably <laughs> just left, for real. Uh, yeah. You know, the more they get to see you, the more they, they pick at your game and say what you can't do and shit like that. So I think, I mean, if I could do something different, I probably would have, uh, maybe would have considered leaving more my first year. Um, but I definitely I, I wouldn't trade that second for a world uh, for the world. I mean, we went thirty nine or no, I think thirty eight no, and just one of the best college teams ever. We didn't you know we didn't win a chip, but definitely being a part of one of the best college teams ever is a great experience, and you know can't trade that. What uh what went into the decision to come back? Uh, you know, just coach um, coach Cal, my dad, you know. Uh, and me and me and my brother, we just—I think we just decided, like, okay, we could we could come back and really put our stamp on it, be the best, really players, guards in the country, and just you know be comfortable in the draft instead of being worried about the draft, or whatever. And it didn't—it didn't go like that. But I—I I mean, I still wouldn't go back and change nothing just because of the experiences and and, and the stuff that I learned. So. Do you do you think uh, yourself being like you said, McDonald's All American? Do you think there, or do you see the value in someone like yourself going to an HBCU or a smaller school and just rocking out as opposed to going to, you know, the Blue Blood Kentucky and being amongst pros? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I'll, it's times have changed. And uh, so I definitely might uh, say if I have a son that can play at a high level, I definitely might you know, give him advice that my dad couldn't give. My dad did the best, but he, you know, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't really know. So maybe going somewhere that you could do whatever you want, be the man and show your talent um, is the way for some people. And some people who, you know, need to be around guys and need to be uh, kind of hidden to a certain extent. 
Go go where you need to. I think every it's every situation different. It depends what position you play, who the coach is, where you comfortable at. So yeah, but HBCUs are definitely something that uh I would have definitely considered way more if I was coming out of school now than I did before. I think like especially when you were coming out too, that was like right when I felt like the league was starting to give mid majors and low majors a little more respect, you know, because yeah. after like Steph and you know Dame Lillard and everybody started having success coming from like smaller schools, and I think like I mean even even when I was coming out years ago, like I was like man uh, coming out of high school, I was thinking about like man it would be dope if I could go to an HBCU, but then I was thinking about yeah. visibility. And I was just like, yeah, nah, of course, I don't want to, you know what I mean? But, uh, but I think like now it's it's definitely. I feel like the game has definitely changed, and it's made it possible where you could go to a smaller school, and if you got enough game, like you know, you can make it. As opposed to back yeah. in the day, like Big East, you know, Big Twelve, the bigger yeah. schools were the only ones that were on TV. Everybody else was an yeah. afterthought. Yeah, exactly. I mean, things changing with the internet and everybody got coverage now. So if you just, you know, you got to go do your thing, you you be dominant wherever you're playing. I feel like people will see you uh, just like you can tell, like, like players like uh, Ja Morant, play, players like that going to smaller schools and, and doing whatever they like, doing, doing their thing and, and doing what they're supposed to do. It just, you know, it depends what path, you know, if luck comes with it, all that comes with it. But you just got to you know, you got to do the right thing for you. You know, you, you never really know. I honestly think the more skilled you are, the better off you are going to a smaller school these days, especially as a scorer. Like, I feel like the more the more game you do have, if you could just go up and put up crazy numbers and you crazy skilled and get to yeah. show everything you could do, I feel like that's, you know, nowadays maybe better off than going to a, a Power 5 school where, you know, you get to, you know, you get your – 11 shots and you get to average 14, 15, which is, I mean, and that's good. But it's like if you if you really skilled and, you know, you got size and you at a smaller school or whatever, averaging 22, 23, I feel like now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, shit, like you know, he's, he's the one. Like you might – that might have more clout than, than the power yeah. five school. I mean, it just really – I mean, it depends who you are, what they, what they want, you know. Like sometimes it'll work if you go to a big school and get 11 and sometimes if you go to a small school, it just depends on like, you know, how people see your potential and all all type of, you know, so it just depends on who you are, what position you play. And, uh, what's really underrated, I think is even like how, how you look like, I think scouts look at like, Oh, he looks like he could become, you know, uh, this type of player based on his body, based on how he moves. So I think that has a lot more to to go into it too. What was what was some of the feedback you got? You know, obviously going undrafted and then working your way into Charlotte, like you mm-hmm. fit the mold. I feel like of like mm-hmm. an NBA two guard. So yeah. what or NBA combo, I should say. But like, so what was some of the feedback you got? Um, you know, going into it and then after the fact. But the funny thing is, I mean, I never really had no bad feedback. Like I had a couple teams said they would take me. You know, if I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have no feedback become a more consistent shooter I mean that comes with you know being mature and being in the gym more as a pro and stuff like that but to be honest I didn't I didn't really have no no negative feedback I can't really remember uh, a team or someone saying oh this is what you need to do this this is what you need to do that okay good what feedback you get man 
Man, I wasn't uh I wasn't a point guard. I wasn't passing the ball. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pass the ball. They like he could shoot it like the shooting drills, one on one stuff. I was good. <laughs> I could cook there, but you know what I mean, and that's one thing I think that like I started to pick it up a little bit like early in my career, but like especially like as I started to play in Europe a lot more, man, I got so much better with the pick and roll. Like back yeah. then I was very Basic reads, and then at six three, you know what I'm saying. It was, um, you know, I think that was kind of that was kind of my crutch was just not being able to be like a point guard, a reliable combo guard that could really just run the point and you'd be okay for 15 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. What about uh, what y'all think of uh, of nil and how that would change? Obviously, people get money and all that, and it's great. But I want to know more so, like, because, shit, you, you was getting at Kentucky. You getting Stanford. I don't know. I don't know if we fuck with Stanford like that. So he was probably getting yeah, 50, 50, we, 70, we getting that Yahoo, like Google that. money, man. Yeah. We didn't be getting all. I'd have been, I'd have been, I'd have been, a, I'd have been a co-owner of Instagram by now. Yeah, you would have been an engineer. Then you wouldn't be playing no basketball. <laughs> but, nah, at Kentucky, you get, you get, you getting a million, 500, a million, I would imagine, at Kentucky. Easy. So how would that change your decision-making process in entering the draft and choices to go overseas potentially as well? Oh, well, I mean, as of now, I probably wouldn't have. I mean, I probably wouldn't advise somebody to even go to school right now. Like, if you if you just – if you know, like some people know, like if you got it, you got it. Like um, go to the Ignite or whatever it's called in the G League or go make some money because – School is for certain players and certain players is not, to be honest. I think uh, if you know that you're going to be a pro and that that's like, it's just, you know, there's no need to go to school and just get nitpicked and people just, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that, especially now. Like, there's other avenues to get to the NBA and get whatever, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but for, I mean, but school, the experiences that I got from school, like I said before, is just unmatched. Like, so... I can't say that I wouldn't go back to school, but with the NIL, that shit is just getting crazy. And I think if I had – if somebody gave me 500000 when I was 18, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Like, it wouldn't have been great. <laughs> yeah, it's like how do you stay in the gym? How do you stay in the gym? I just think back, like, there were so many times in college where I couldn't do stuff because I didn't have money and I stayed home or, you know, I just went and kicked it with the homies and at the gym or whatever. Like if you got 500 and they give you two days off or whatever it is, like flying back home, you know what I mean? You're going to go kick it with the, with the boys from high school. Like, I don't know, man, I, it would have been a distraction, but I think it, it definitely, I mean, Maybe not for Aaron going to Kentucky, but I think for uh, a lot of kids, it definitely affects on where you're going to school coming out of high school, you know, that whole NIL decision. And then uh, for some guys that may be borderline second round undrafted, I think, you know, you definitely have to look at, all right, maybe I should stay in school and get this guaranteed money as opposed to, you know, that risk. Yeah. Hold on. So you choosing right now. You choosing both of y'all choosing or ignite over going to Kentucky for a year. You and and this hits home for you like this way. You know, Aaron, Ooh. this for you. You a McDonald's All American. You choosing ignite over Kentucky? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm, I can't. I can't do that. I, I'm not gonna say that. But I'm saying 
if I had a kid right now, if I had a son or, you know what I'm saying, I'm trying to help him, I would say we got to check this, you know, the school thing is nice and all, but is this the best way to get what you want out of life? You know what I mean? Nah, facts. Facts. But I think, yeah. I, I don't know, I might be an optimist, but I feel like people, you selling some of these kids short. Like, I feel like kids still have the bandwidth to understand. Like, if you give them 500000 but you looking at, what Jordan Poole just signed for? 140? 140. Yeah. Or even like, okay, say a cat like Mike Tyus Jones signed two for 30. Like, I feel like kids still have the bandwidth to be like, all right, this 500 is nice. I'm going to stay in this gym and <laughs> turn this 500 into 15 a year. Yeah. I mean, pro- I mean, at that age, I'm 500 is everything, you know? Like, if I had 500,000 when I was 18, I mean, I would have thought I was just as rich as anybody else. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, five hundred now. Five hundred now. I'm gonna think. I, you know what I'm saying? Five. Yeah. Shoot, I'm good. <laughs> Give me five hundred thousand right now. We good. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like now we, you know, I, I'm gonna turn it into something, and you know what no, I'm saying. Facts. But when I was a kid, it was just. I just, I just can't say. Uh, I would pick something over Kentucky just because of the experiences that I had. The pe- you know what I'm saying? Like that that shit is unmatched, like unmatched. So and you know, I don't know. But well, it's relevant because these thing. kids are doing like Scoot Henderson. Had, I mean, he's a Kentucky kid, exactly. right? Like so, exactly. and he's choosing Ignite. So I'm I'm trying to figure out like, is he really benefiting from choosing Ignite? over Kentucky? Is it the play style, like being able to play that NBA style? Is that gonna is that really going to help his career uh that much? Mm, I think so. I think the yeah. G League is much easier than college. Mm. Like the score. And, and for him to adjust to the G League is 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 easier and adjusting to college, you never know. Your coach could be correct, or the coach don't like you, or you could be, you know what I'm saying? Like you get, but if you in the G, you 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 just you playing, you know. You they want you to be something, so you you gonna be it really. If it, that's, I think that's how the league really work. If they want you to be that, and if you got if you work hard, you I mean they gonna give you the opportunity to be that if you if you can, you know. In Kentucky, you could have you could go there and maybe it, you know maybe they don't like you as much because you know what I'm saying. So that's what I yeah. think. But I think in the G League too, you kind of get a better look for you know, somewhat of what the speed of an NBA game will be like. So I think you are preparing yourself in that way. You're dealing with, you know, a faster paced game, you know, with the with the NBA rules, you know, you probably got a lot more uh, length than you would like in college playing. And then also the playing style, like, you know, you fuck around, play against a slow ass school like Wisconsin. Like, what is that really doing for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that, you know, um, playing in the Ignite, I think definitely offers somebody like Scoot, like if you're ready. But that's the thing is yeah, like everybody's not ready. You know what I'm saying? It's like Scoot, Scoot was ready. He was ready a couple years ago. But if, if you ain't got that level of athleticism, toughness, and talent, like it's going to be a bad look for you. And you do need to go to a Wisconsin and kind of hide. <laughs> hey, look, let me tell you something, man. <laughs> let me tell you something. What was y'all record, Eric? No. You said it was 38 and 0? Ah, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was th- that was y'all record? Mm-hmm. What was your what was the real record at the end of the year? Uh, thirty eight and one, I think. And who y'all lose to? Uh, some slow ass team. I don't know. 
You see, from. you see how the internet do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Who y'all? Who y'all lose to? Oh, we lost to some slow ass team. Slow ass team. Slow ass. Hey, and goods. We all we gotta do is wait another couple weeks, and y'all gonna be in the same boat. Of course, y'all. Oh, we do that. That game is no coming up, November eleventh. But yeah, right, but like like I said, man, I, I can't I can't do it with Aaron. But you know what I'm saying? Who had the most pros since 2000, man? So you know what I mean? I can't I can't do it with Kentucky. I can't do it with Kentucky. Ongoing a running debate with. He thinks Stanford, everybody that come on, he talk about Stanford got the most pros, but he real quiet when you get on here. Oh, we do? Yeah. Stanford got the most pros? Hell since no. 2000, since 2000, everybody we've had on here, Stanford has had the most uh, NBA players uh-huh. drafted. That's because we've been having cats from Rhode Island. Not Kentucky. We've been having, we've been uh-huh. having cats from Rhode Island and, and Lamar. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. yeah. Obviously, man. Ain't no question. <laughs> hey, yeah, look, Marquette. Look, get, yeah, Marquette, in fact. But nah, yeah, ain't nobody hiding at Wisconsin either. I'm going to let that slide. We're going to touch on the international stuff, man, a little bit. You know, obviously, as we all international international players or, or former players, vets, whatever it may have you. So there's a lot of early cuts going on um, in, in Europe right now. You know, there was some news that came out talking about Panamite part ways with Andrew Andrews. Obviously, in the NBA side, the Lakers have struggles, uh, you know, but the Lakers wait 20 games, whereas Europe is so quick to so quick to cut people. So what do you think about the the environment in Europe as far as, like, the, the team the team structure and the way their patience with players, and how long do you think it takes for a team to truly gel? Uh, well, it depends on what part of the world, but a lot of people, they, they base it on emotion a lot, like emotion, so... The fans and the fans don't like it, then the the you know the front office don't like it, and they and they make decisions off emotion a lot. Um, I don't, of course, how you gonna cut somebody? It's been like four games over here, right? Three, four games, and they cut people off four games, three, four games. So you know that's based off emotion, um, and you just gotta know how to how to deal with emotion, and you gotta be able to um, just adjust really. Um, and just hopefully, hopefully you get a, a decent coach and he, you know, he appreciate what you can do and, and, and give you a chance, really. But you just got to know that that is emotional over here and people make decisions. They don't really, you know, they don't understand that this our life. We away from our people and everything. And they making decisions because people saying they are bad, you know, making emotional decisions. And so you just got to you got to you just got to hope for the best, really, and just play try to be productive in, in what they can do. Just like we was talking about in my last game, you know, I, I don't, you know, it just, it just depends on how the coach is feeling emotionally that day. Man, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. How much, how much do y'all think that the fans affect front office decisions in the NBA and in, and in uh, Europe? I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think in the NBA it affects, it affects much. You know, outside of like, let's say like disciplinary, like disciplinary actions and stuff like that. Like, I feel like the fans kind of, you know, you do have to save face in that regard. But in regards to cutting a player or whatever that is, I don't think the fans have that much. Because I think like when you look at the NBA versus Europe, like Europe, all these teams are funded through like sponsorships, you know what I'm saying? And relationships with the owner and things of that nature. So it's like when we're talking about fans in Europe, a lot of times it's it's these guys that are supplying your bread. So 
a GM or an owner could be getting money from, let's just say, the Coca-Cola of whatever country, and they see that you're losing or whatever, they want you to make changes, and then they just don't pay the team, and then the team gets paid late. Like they, It's not like they're giving them the bread all up front. They're giving you 30000 per quarter or 50000 per quarter or whatever it is. So it's like I think that's where the pressure kind of gets to people that have nothing to do with the team. Like, they're just a sponsor, but yeah. then they're going to hold bread because the team and their investment is not going the way that they want, and then they try to, you know, inflict that power on the team, and now the coach and the GM are forced to, okay, let's just change some stuff around to keep, you know, the shareholders and everybody else happy, which I think is BS, but I think that's just a completely different um, it's a completely different business model than the NBA, and I think that that's why the uh, the, the influence is different. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I didn't have coaches that then read articles and got you know what I'm saying oh they're saying this about me because of you guys you know what I'm saying like I I had coaches say you know stuff like that so I think the fans the fans affected way more in Europe than than they do you know in the states obviously the NBA is too much money involved you can't fans say what they want but if somebody making thirty million dollars y'all not doing nothing. They're not they gonna keep playing and they gonna lose or win, they're gonna keep playing no matter. But over here, the fans have a lot to a lot to do with everything. You know, fans start throwing stuff on the court, uh, booing, everything. They don't care. You know what I'm saying? So they emotional the fans are emotional as well. So Yo, what was it what was it like when you first came overseas? Like what was like your uh what was like your welcome to Europe moment or like just the craziest moment you just like, yo, this is really different than than basketball in the States? Shit. Uh, my first uh oh yeah. Probably my first road trip really. Um we played Red Star and uh I was on uh, Galatasaray and they, they got a weird rivalry because uh I think um a couple years before that a Red Star fan died at one of the Galatasaray games, like one of the fans killed him. Uh so we went there, they had to like walk us off the bus with shields, like one by one. They was throwing like n- coins at us as we walked on the court throwing bottles at us I couldn't hear like we couldn't hear I couldn't hear somebody standing right in front of me I was like bro we just got to get out of here I don't care about this game we got to get out of here safe like I'm done let's go home so yeah that was probably that was the craziest game that I ever played in in my life by 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 far (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy as hell man yo so what um but if you if you had a kid, like we you've, you've mentioned, if you had a kid, what would you do? With him, what you would do with him a couple times? Would yeah. you want your kid to be an overseas pro? Mm, what would I want? I mean, yeah. Uh, would I want him to be an overseas pro, as opposed to what? Like, you mean like nothing? Mean? Like if if it was just like, is this a lifestyle that is like? Is it a lifestyle that is um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it a lifestyle that is uh, desirable for your mm. child? <sighs> yeah, I, I think I think he could. I mean, I, overall, I would say I enjoy my experience overseas. I mean, I've had some obviously some tough days, some tough tough weeks, but uh, I definitely appreciate it. It, it make me it make me appreciate a lot more like. In the states, it make me appreciate my family more, everything like relationships more. So yeah, but I think that I know enough to to 
how to how we can avoid that. If he got the talent and, you know, if he got everything, I, I think I know enough to, so we can avoid that. <laughs> Not facts. I was asking that because I, I don't know if I would, like, if my kid wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. There's a lot of pros to overseas. Like, I mean, call, you learn cultures. I think you really, I think you become more open-minded, like you said, appreciate the States too as well. Like, there's just a lot to learn over here. But I don't know if it's something that I would, like, if my kid was like, oh, I'm going to go overseas, I'd be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much you getting? Like, you got, no, 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 <laughs> your threshold got to be something crazy. <laughs> no, nah, you got to, yeah. I, yeah, I was saying like, oh, if he, it just didn't work out, but he's good enough, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but yeah. if you just maybe trying to make it in basketball, then no, hell no. <laughs> what about you, Goods? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely, uh, it depends on the situation, but I think like obviously just looking at the world it is today, um, there's just so there's just so many more ways to make whatever bread you're making overseas. There's so many more ways to make that bread back home. So it's like if just going overseas or whatever it is is really what you want to do, then then fine, do it. But I, I would say like, bro, there's a lot that you could do. I mean, you got cats like traveling around to to parks and playing on ball is life like you know what i mean and they're making bread like you know what i'm saying king of the court and all these little tournaments and stuff like that like there's just i mean and again this is just based off of what we know now just with the internet and whatnot i mean you really you really don't need to go over there to make bread you could do it being here be a dunker you know what i mean like there's there's guys out here making making bread just doing just dumb shit so yeah, exactly. My arm's yeah. too short for all that. What's missing from the overseas experience like that would make it better? What y'all think? Mm-hmm. I mean, we overseas. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Like, it's just being away. Like, you just, you just gotta adjust to a whole different life. You gotta, people don't understand you. You don't understand them. Uh, I don't really the money. It depends on what team. You, really, the money. If the money, if the money go up a little bit and they could be on time and they could be like a little more, you know, just a. I think that'll that'll make it a lot better. To be honest. Yeah, I think I think money, and then also, uh, well, money in regards to the amount being on time and things like that. But I think also like if we could just get rid of these teams in these small ass cities, like. You know, just move them out the way, and like only big, only big cities. You know what yeah. I mean? And you just play on those teams, and that's it. I think that will make it a lot more enjoyable too, because I think, yeah. <clears throat> I think some of your worst times, or at least in my career, was just when I was just in like a small ass city, far away from anything, and you just going nuts. Like your mama don't even want to come visit you. You know what I'm saying? Like well, you <laughs> Right, exactly. Like you know what I mean? That's yeah, when bro, that's bro. when it gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like I think I think it's I think it's synced up all star breaks, man. Every country gotta have the same all star break. Everybody need about everybody need a week off, man. We all going to Istanbul, man. That's what I need. We all going to Istanbul, we all going to London. It all that's synced up. One thing I n- I never really played in like uh, well I'm in Slovenia now but this is probably the slowest place I played but I played in all pretty pretty decent cities I played in Istanbul and Athens so 
Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed a, like a lot of times off the court, but I, I mean, I, I got I got homies that played in you know fucking everywhere, like literally everywhere. <laughs> like I got friends that play in Mexico that make twenty five hundred month, yeah. like yeah. just because they want to play basketball. See, if those you're saying going back to like my son, my son will never, I would never let my kid do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Let's get a job. <laughs> Right. Take, it, take it on down to H&R block, huh? Yeah. Yo. <laughs> yo, I had a conversation with the homie the other day, and he was just like, yo, like, if they could remove, like, all the political, you know, the political stuff behind this decision, like, now is, like, the perfect time for Champions League to go snatch up those those Russian teams, those big Russian teams. Like, if you think about it, it's a golden opportunity. Champions League added Cheska, Zenit. Unix, that changes BCL local, in a com- local. local. It changes BCL in a completely different way, man. Like, but obviously, I mean, there's just so many political implications behind that decision. But I mean, the opportunity is uh, is there, man. That's that's crazy. It looked like Euroleague about to expand to Dubai um, in a couple yeah, of years. So that's a. Uh, you're about to look different in the next uh, next couple of years. I swear, I miss all the good shit, man. Yeah, I was about to say as soon as I finish, they about to buy and up the money and you know what I'm saying. They'll be traveling to the states and shit. It'd be flying exactly. charter. They're gonna be doing all this extra shit. Like, nah. But <laughs> you want to hit the culture question? Ed? Yeah, yeah, man. So. Recently, man, like Nike signed uh, the majority of the lottery picks to like shoe deals like Jay Niley, Jalen Duran, Chet Holmgren, et cetera, et cetera. But as we know, like there's a dis- decreasing number of uh, signature shoes for like NBA players, you know, obviously outside mm-hmm. of like the, the superstars. Um, many more players are signing like product deals and things of that nature. So my question is, does it make sense for players to sign with, a smaller shoe deal and make more money. And then the second part of this question is what impact, if any, does being a Nike athlete have on your career? In the uh, NBA? Well, I'm going to go with the, the money, me personally. Um, I'm going to go with the money, but I understand like the Nike, you know, Nike is the biggest, the best, you know what I'm saying? You can't deny Nike. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I think if I was in that if I was in that situation, I would definitely. If the money is a big difference, then I would have to go. But if the money is not a big difference, I think you should, you have to go to Nike. It's like fucking going with Sprite or Coke or you right. know what I'm saying. Like everybody loved Nike. You loved Nike growing up. Like you know what I mean. So it just depends on the money for me. What's, what's the what's the threshold? What do you mean? Like, what's the like, what's the money difference? The biggest money difference that you'll accept is like fifty thousand. You going with the money? Is it like ten thousand? You going with the money? Or are you oh, going with? No. You know what I'm saying? No, I got to be bigger than that. So like a hundred thousand. Yeah, a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Let, let, let's let's put it like this. Let's say Nike's only offering you a product deal, right? So you just got a product mm-hmm. deal. You ain't getting no extra cash, um, mm-hmm. but you got an allotment throughout the year. Take care of your family yeah. and whatever you need. And then mm-hmm. Lee Ning comes and they like, yo, we're going to give you 80000 on top of product. <laughs> we're going to Nike. Yeah. <laughs> study wrong, study wrong. If I'm in the NBA, I'm going to go with Nike. 
Unless like leaning trying to give me a portion of the company or some cur- like some shit like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, eighty. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm go with it. I'm gonna go with Nike. Eighty thousand. That's a whole house now. Yeah. Where a whole house? Where? What you mean? That's a down payment. Oh, damn, baby. I thought you said you said a whole house. Oh, <laughs> oh I forgot. You, you, big time. you, you buy you buying all your joints in cash, huh? Hey man, I wasn't I wasn't raised in Madison, Wisconsin. Huh? <laughs> we ain't got those we ain't got those shotgun houses. We ain't got those shotgun houses out here. Hey, hey, neither was I, my man. I'm Minneapolis born and bred. Don't be spreading that slander on here, man. <laughs> but nah, I probably I probably I'll probably go with uh I'll probably go with Nike myself, man. You gotta go with the checks. And I'm gonna have everybody. I'm gonna have every, how much how much product you get? As much as you want? Eighty thousand? Yeah. Eighty thousand worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going. I'm going with Nike. I can't. I can't be out there like no poop putt wearing no lead name. I don't care what them dudes yeah. be talking about. Like, yeah, I see. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure like D Wade and shit. He getting millions yeah, from them, like something like that. But yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just wearing that shit for fun. She gonna look like wearing a lead name headband, lead name yeah, like, sleeve. Like, nah, couldn't be me. Uh, what you choosing? You choosing lead name, huh? Uh, <laughs> man, I mean, it obviously it just depends on how much bread you're making. Like, obviously, if you get an NBA check, then yeah, I'll probably you're not really stressing off of like 80k. But I think that um, I don't know it. I would be trying to kind of like Aaron said, I'd be trying to work out some growth. Like, you know, okay, like we got this check, but you know, what is it looking like moving forward? You know, what I'm saying like, how could I like double this money up? Like, is it appearances in China? Um, where I could, you know, make some other money and stuff like that. Like, I'm going I'm to try and just make that grow exponentially somehow because I feel like if, you, if you're just a product athlete on Nike, like, you're not touring, you're not going on the Kyrie tours and making the appearances and all that other stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's really just product, and then you're just going home looking fresh. So, um, but it would have to make sense business-wise. But I, I would look at the Lee Ning deal, but I, I don't think – 80k and then go home is enough though. I think it would have to yeah, be sure. something more. I ain't, I ain't gonna hold you though. Nike Nike gonna have your confidence being all right. At least you gonna look you gonna look good yeah. all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're know, a Nike yeah. athlete. You know what I'm saying? So that that might yeah. be the, that might be the impact it has on you. Yeah, but as far sure. as like other than the fact that just you know feeling good and saying you're a Nike athlete, yeah, it's it's too many of them now to really yeah, to yeah, yeah. have a true true impact like. Shoot, I might be a Nike athlete now. I don't even know it. everybody Nike athlete. Check yeah, my nah, shit. it's uh, especially especially out in Europe, man. They just be tossing them sponsorships around, hey. man. What? <laughs> Dude, Nike, Jap- what? Man, Nike the young Japan? boys. Nike <laughs> Japan boys and Nike sponsor. France. Man, oh yeah, Nike. Oh yeah, Nike France. I do be seeing like. A bunch of little dudes like Nike athlete in they, they yeah, bio. Yeah, 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 and they bio. They be <laughs> they be having it in their bio. Bro play, bro, play for Rowan, like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Nike I'm saying, athlete. That's a, hey, go ahead, go ahead, get you. Go ahead. If you single, go ahead, have you a kid out here in Europe, man. That's the best thing you could be these days. Is an international black basketball player, set for life. Mm-hmm. Set for you. life. Tell you, man, but uh. But moving forward, man, I seen a uh, I seen an interesting uh, article. They were talking about how De'Aaron Fox said that playing at 200 pounds last year was too much, and now mm-hmm. he's back down to 185. He says he feels a lot better. And uh, just to put it all in context, he he uh, at the NBA 
uh, draft combine when he was coming into his rookie year. He was 167. So the, uh, the question is, is how much is playing weight a factor for guards? And when do you think that? And does that, is that more of a factor like later in your career, which may or may not be obvious for some guys, but uh, how much is a, is a uh, playing weight a factor for guards? Uh, well, me personally, I think um, I like to try to keep my weight down. Uh, I, I just I just know when I get to a certain weight, I'm like, I feel a little different. And but you know, it depends how you play. Really, it depends who you are. Like some people can you know play with more muscle, more bulk. They need to put more bulk on. But I think that is like over over like overrated in basketball, where people oh he needs to put weight on, he needs to put weight on. Darren Fight, he probably one of the quickest if not the quickest player in the NBA, why do you need to put weight on? Like, that's what makes him special. That's just something that some strength coach that just been doing push-ups or working with a football team his whole life just decided and, you know, or it looks better supposedly, you know, but it just depends who you are. If you, you know, if you're the quickest person in the league, he'd probably jump one of the highest. You don't, I don't think you need, like, I don't think you need to worry about putting 20 pounds on. I think that's, your body's not used to that. That's not that's not what you for. I I agree hundred percent, man. I think your body when you play with less weight, especially as a guard, I feel yeah. like you just feel better. Like you feel you move better, you bouncier, you springier, quick twitch seems like it's better. Um, and especially now to your point, like yeah, De'Aaron Fox putting that weight on, the benefit of it is maybe you withstand some contact, but the way the game is played now, like. If you can take the contact and it looks like a foul, like you almost that's, better off. You know what I'm saying? That's why like we got fouls, bro. That's why we got fouls. You don't need muscle. That's why we got that's referees why, out the here. Way the, game, the way the game is played now, like you see, I mean, Bron gets fouled every play if we being real. like, And the way that he takes the contact, it never looks like a foul. But it's like if you, you know, Trey Young or whoever it is, the way he be bouncing off dudes, it's like he'd really be getting hit the same way, but he's so little and light. It's like, oh, shit, yeah. they definitely got to call that. So it's almost an advantage from a from a refereeing standpoint um, to to have less weight. Yeah, I think it's a it, I think it's an old school mentality, man. Like, exactly. you know, because you see, I mean, you saw Jordan was lifting before games, and you seen Kobe put on the muscle and stuff like that, and it's. Every player is different, like, you know what I mean? And then you look at somebody like Steph, okay? Like, last year they were talking about how his body changed, but Steph is probably the best shooter we've ever seen in life. Like, he's a skilled player. It doesn't matter if he's a step slower. He's still going to shoot that joint from half court. So, I think that um, somebody like a De'Aaron Fox, man, um, I, I think, as you said, like, his speed is his skill. And he has to stay at a at a weight where you know he can move you know at a at a faster pace because if you take his speed away, now he's becoming an average NBA player. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think that that hurts. Jordan Jordan and Kobe too put on weight when their game slowed down. Exactly. Yeah, just like Steph is going. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when your game slows down, okay, put up put on the weight. You might have to you know. You know, you're playing more in the half court. You're not moving at the same speed as before. You might have to withstand some more contact. That's a different story. But De'Aaron Fox is, what, 25, 20? Yeah, he's young, yeah. Maybe, I mean, yeah, they say, like, I feel like get stronger, yeah, but 
it's different. I don't think you got to like necessarily put on 20 pounds to get stronger. And maybe they saying maybe he do need to get stronger, but putting on putting a lot 20 pounds on a on a speedy guard is just asking for him to, and injuries. I think I think you like, you know, my I feel like when I put on weight, my knees start hurting a little more and you know, ankles start hurting a little more, you know what I'm saying? So, it just you know, it depends your frame too. I don't think his frame is is needs to be 200 pounds. Strength, yeah, strength nah, for I me mean, is from the core down, you know, like it's core down yeah. and you and you good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, nah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, thirty points. I mean, thirty pounds. You know, from the time you enter into the league, that, that's crazy, yo. Yes. Thirty pound difference. That's that's tough. That's why we played so fucking slow at Wisconsin, baby, because we used to be lifting all them damn football player weight and it couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, yeah, I, I was trying to condition it is it's very uh crazy. Look, I don't I had eight surgeries in ten years from my junior year on, and I I truly believe part of it has to do with the way we was lifting, like and just putting on because I probably mm-hmm. I mean I was always, you know, strong, but like I was probably one eighty and probably like one ninety five going in one eighty and one ninety five by like going into my sophomore year. Like there's a picture in the restaurant in Madison right now and I go in there still up and boy I look like Low key, I look fat, but it's really just all the the muscle milk yeah. I was drinking and all the uh, bench <laughs> presses. <milk. laughs> yeah, they, 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 uh, when I went to school, they made me put a lot of weight on too. Like I feel like I gained probably ten pounds from my freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't. I mean, you know, that's what they wanted. So and you look stronger, and you know what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. strength coaches, yep, you know what I'm saying. He's strong, so he wants you to be bigger and bulkier. But I, I don't think that was like. I don't think that was my that was what I was supposed to be doing. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think no. Okay, unless you if you a five man, okay. Under I think yeah, under sure. undersized undersized five men. I think yeah, are the ones yeah. like okay, mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead and put on the weight because y'all you know y'all motherfuckers got to be doing whatever it is y'all doing, being extra filing people and pushing people or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Doing. So cool for them, but yeah, other than that, nah. Yeah, it ain't. It ain't the business, but uh, we got a paycheck, rain check. Somebody's paycheck is taking a rain check. Today's focus is uh, Christian Coloco and Caleb Martin. They got into a little scuffle last night and got ejected from the game. Looks like they're they're both likely to get fined. But, uh, yeah, the conversation surrounding this incident is uh, how important is it to establish an identity around the league and is it more important for guards or bigs to kind of establish that tough mentality? And not tough in regards to trying to fight guys, but just more so just like earning that that kind of like respect, like I'm not one to be messed with. Is it is it more important for guards or, or bigs to kind of establish that identity? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so much like – it's so much fakeness. It's fake fakeness. I don't know if that's a word, but it's so much like uh, that's just a lot of fake shit that goes into all that fake scuffle and all that. That shit is not real, like at all. And being tough, I mean, who, who like? I guess Draymond's looked at as tough now, and uh, who else? There's not really many people. I, I think every. I think it, the, the league is like a. I think you get more out of being a nice guy than a tough guy, to be honest. Still, still, mm. still Udonis Haslam. <laughs> Udonis Haslam, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, he coached down there. 
Man, I think th- this era of the league is the product of a bunch of rich NBA players having kids in the league, man. <laughs> like, yeah, like, <laughs> and I'm and I'm a suburb kid, like <laughs> these kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All these kids that grew up that grew up in the suburbs, man. But I do feel like maybe not as a tough player, but I feel like it's extremely important to to find some type of identity in the league now. Cause it's of like course, I, of course. when we when we were growing up, I remember like it paid off just to be you had to have all this, especially as a guard. Like, you know, you had to be able to do everything. You had to be able to do yeah, of course. You had to be able to hit shots, make plays, whatever. And now it's like it's almost better to be able to do only one thing, which is kind of which is yeah. kind of crazy to me. Like, yeah, like people really sure. people really take pride in like, well, I ain't paid to do that. Like, I'm paid I'm paid to shoot mm-hmm. the ball. I ain't paid to play defense. Like, like yeah. damn. Like, I wish I wish I knew more of that. Like when I was coming out, like when I was you know I was coming up, I was just raised like you know do everything to win, try to. But if I wish I knew a little more, like. About like oh yeah do this this how you this how you get paid this is you know what I'm saying this is what you you know what I'm saying this is what they like to see right here I wish I, I I wish I had a little more knowledge about that when I was coming like coming out of college and going into college and really to be honest yeah that would help me a lot we we've talked about on this show before how much of a benefit it is to have you know a dad or an uncle or whatever yeah. who is a professional athlete specifically yeah, a professional yeah, sure. basketball player and and an NBA player for real the the learning curve and I overseas as well but I think it, it really just it really kills that learning curve and gives you an advantage just on how to course, move and, you know mm-hmm. the steps how to work hard. how to work how to you know yeah. when not to work because you know back in the day it was you know getting the gym and being that being that motherfucker all day like nah man yeah. like you just in there just running around like doing the mic and drill or whatever it is you're right. doing taking 30 pull-ups threes for for trying to make a thousand ain't nobody even, all right, if you can make yeah. a thousand shots, great. But how realistic is that in a you know an hour yeah, and a half, like and resting your body and icing and all that stretching? So yeah, I ain't I ain't do none of that. Growing none up. of it. None, none. <laughs> I would. My my dad was you know best dad ever. You know, but he didn't. You know, he wasn't no athlete. Like mm-hmm. my dad was in the military and like mm-hmm. so. After I came from practice, I was you know we you know got McDonald's and went home and I whatever he told me to do, I would you know what I'm saying it wasn't no like. I wasn't, I was just trying to be the best, like, he was trying to make me, like, the, the best, you know, overall person instead of, you know, he didn't know how to make, a, like, a professional athlete because he didn't, you know, he was just doing the best he could. And I, I could see the difference between, like, kids who did have professional, they taking care of their bodies when they 15, like, they know how to, you know what I'm saying, like. They stretching after they work. I ain't never seen nobody stretch after working out until I was in college. To be honest, <laughs> yep. so, yep. you know saying? stuff like stuff like that was just. I feel like I'm. You know, I I learned and and now I can help my kids with it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's something that you know you just got to learn. You know, generations get better and better as you go on. Facts. Facts. Yeah. Amen. Fine. We gonna we gonna finish up last one we got you know since you've been a duo your whole part of a duo your whole life man is for everybody we gonna talk about who's the best duo in the NBA right now before we sign off best duo right now um, oh man best duo she gotta go with uh I, I'm not gonna lie. I watch the playoffs but I don't really. I would say um, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown right now. I mean, you can't really, you can't really go against. They was in the finals last year. Uh, obviously, they lost to the probably the best 
one of the best teams ever put together, like, overall. But, yeah, I mean, them them two young dudes are – they figuring it out. They really play the same position, and they figuring it out, and they winning. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I have to go with them. They, I have to go with them, for sure. But you got goods? Yeah, that's who I was thinking off the top of my head because I feel like they they just both present – so many problems. I think they compete on both ends. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they both. You know what I mean? Team. I think they. Yeah, I think they're they're a tough, tough duo, and it, and it's rare that you see that. You know, let's just say on the quote unquote wing, you know, wing sides of the ball. You know what I'm saying? I think that you know the Clippers kind of got like a similar makeup. You know, with PG and Kawhi and whatnot, oh, yeah. but um, but them niggas can't stay healthy. But yeah, I think that sure. uh. Yeah, nah, Boston, I think. Yeah, with Jalen and uh, Jason. I think they're a tough duo right now. Yeah, Over sure. Kyrie? Kyrie and KD, too? They ain't been together, man. Something. They always, you know. You got to show me something, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Kyrie and KD got to show you something? Together. I mean, they, they lost, like, you know what I'm saying? They they lost. Didn't they lose in the first round? They got swept last year. I'm by, not, yeah, I'm by not. the Celtics. But, like, individually... <laughs> Individually, best player, I would go them too. But I'm saying together, together. winning, like, yeah, I, yeah. If I got to Together, I'm going uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton. I think the way they complement each other is Gian, Giannis. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 I had to come with grip. I had to come to grips with this. Giannis is the best player in the NBA, dog. Like, and I really, at this point in time, right now today, I really don't think it's that close. Yeah, me too. I had <laughs> like, to come. With <laughs> like and I, I really, I really fought this. I like Giannis's game. He plays so hard, man. Like honestly, if I had a kid, I'm saying like as far as the way someone plays, like you gotta watch Giannis. Like he's old school. Dude Giannis. plays hard every night. He's in. Like it's it's really crazy. But the way him and Chris Middleton uh, complement each other, um, kind of you know, Chris Middleton's there for late game shots, and Giannis dominates the not Giannis dominates the whole game. I think they just have a just have a, a great. Uh, a great uh, rapport with each other, and Giannis is the best player in the NBA by far. I think so. I, I got to go with yeah. him as the duo. So. I think so. I was fighting that for a long time too, but he is though. <laughs> he had forty-four and twenty-eight for twenty-eight minutes last night. Like, oh, what? Yeah, nah, he's he's tough. I, I think I think too though, like. You know, it's funny, man, because, I mean, his brother being on his team, his brother, like, if you watch, like, Giannis, and I was yes. watching Giannis when they were playing with Greece, his brother is, like, legit, like, his hype man. Like, yeah. I'm talking about the entire game. He's in his ear. He's yelling him. He's keeping that energy high and whatnot. And I really believe, like, that's why he's there, bro. He's there to kind of keep the un- keep see, the engine running. You know what I mean? You see, he picked he, his nose the other day for him. <laughs> no, I know. He's like, it's like, it's like a corner man, like for a boxer. Like, you got Mike no, Tyson bro. out there. Nah, it's that's, like, that's, that's the, that's that's the worst role. duo in the NBA. No, nah, that's that's the worst duo in the NBA. On court. <laughs> One of the worst. Worst, worst, duo, worst duo in the league, man. Hey, how, 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 uh, last question. How, how, um, how dope is that to have a twin, man, that, like, when you get to play together, like, y'all just be yeah. feeding off of each other, like, and pushing each other? How, how dope is that to, yeah, to play with your twin? Yeah, You just got to imagine, like, just playing with somebody your whole life and just knowing, like, okay, this is what he'd like to do. This is what you have to do. Uh, you know, I can't even explain it because I, I don't know anything else, you know? But uh, playing playing with him is way better than playing without him for sure. It's been a long time since I got a chance. We play we play together in the summer, uh, like you know, little 
little uh, pro-ams and shit in Houston, but play, I, I definitely miss playing with them. That's, that's, that was one of the reasons that I probably fell in love with basketball so much, just being able to play with my brother and shit like that. And I haven't really been able to play with them professionally, but maybe, I mean, hopefully we'll get to do that before we finish playing. That'd be pretty cool. That ESP gonna, shit is real, huh? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You, you and uh, you and your brother gonna take that twenty five hundred in Mexico to play together? Never, <laughs> never, never. I'm taking twenty five hundred. I'm not playing no basketball. <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out, but I ain't playing no basketball though. <laughs> hey man we appreciate you joining us man that was love had a lot of fun with you hopefully you come back and join us again for the role player podcast i'm jordan taylor anthony good that's